Are you a software developer that wants to work remote? Clevertech is where software developers experience remote done right. Live limitlessly. Add world-class accomplishments to your resume. Live a life beyond the ordinary. Join team members in creating the future, all while making memories and being close to what's important to you. Visit clevertech.biz jobs to apply. Hello, everyone. My name is Tyler Selhorn, and welcome to another episode of The Remote Show, where we discuss everything to do with remote work with the people who know it best. Thanks so much for listening. The Remote Show is brought to you by We Work Remotely, the largest community of remote workers in the world. With over 220,000 unique users per month, We Work Remotely is the most effective way to hire. Today, we are blessed to be learning out loud with Kudi Shalev. Kudi is an operations-driven technologist and the CEO of Clevertech. As the leader of Clevertech's operations, infrastructure, people ops, CleverU, and various other programs, Kudi is the shepherd of Clevertech culture and their core values of freedom, mastery, and purpose. Kudi has an MBA from Columbia University and a BA from Yeshiva University and was formerly a management consultant with PricewaterhouseCoopers in New York. Kudi is an active member of the New York City angel investing community, serves as an advisor or director at a number of startups in New York, and is an active speaker in industry conferences in the U.S. and Europe. Kudi, welcome to The Remote Show. Tell us, what problems are you trying to solve at Clevertech? Thanks for having me here. Clevertech offers opportunity. and We offer opportunity to software developers who value remote, have good people skills, and solid fundamentals. These are typically people who care a lot about self-improvement. Awesome. So tell us more. I'm really curious to learn what does remote mean to Clevertech? Yeah, so we don't talk about this in polite conversation most of the time. Right? But do you notice that people hide the topics that are most important to them? They kind of dress it up in this polite word, like we say the word remote. And what that actually means is really relevant for each of the individual people that we're working with. So why do people like remote in the first place, right? And it really depends on who you are. The way I think about it is that they really want to make a better life for themselves. This is especially true when you're dealing with people who are in countries that have strong math and computer schools. Maybe they live in other time zones. I see them in places like Canada, Mexico, Central and South America. And when they talk about remote, they use some other terms that I hear, and they mean very specific things, right? Number one is that it means that they earn in USD. They earn in the dollar. And they may be coming from different countries where their currencies are not quite as strong, And if they earn in dollar, it puts them and their life in a much better situation. Another thing that I hear them talk about is that they want to work in an English-speaking country, right? And when they say that, what do they mean? They mean that they want better opportunities. They see that the world of technology is certainly in English. And we talk about having good people skills, good communication skills. And that's a critical underlying factor that, again, most people don't talk about. And then they want to work not just for an English-speaking company, but for a company that has U.S. clients. When they say that, what do they really mean? They don't really care specifically, I don't think, about the United States. They care about the fact that the fastest-growing companies, the companies that are most valuable, those are the ones that are in the U.S., and therefore it means they have better opportunity for themselves. 
Let me say some of these things back to you, Cootie. You're telling me that the developers that come to work at Clevertech very often, when they say remote, they don't mean all of these future of work type of things that often is a topic of conversation here at We Work Remotely here on the Remote Show. But you're saying that what they mean is that they want to earn their paycheck in United States currency right? Instead of maybe the country that they happen to be working with, that they want to work in an English speaking workplace and that they want to be serving clients in the United States because of the assurances that they're going to get paid on time. I I think that's really awesome that you guys have pointed your direct efforts towards providing opportunity to the people for whom remote means those things. Well, so those three things are what I was saying, but I saved the best for last. The people that I notice take advantage of this remote opportunity are those that move from one country to another, right? This is huge. In today's day and age, there are so many countries and states that may not be providing its citizens what they're looking for. And when they look around and they want to shop for a better jurisdiction, Right? They would like to have whatever it is that another country is promising being in the world of software development where the demand is so high gives them the capability of moving, let's say, from Argentina to Canada, from Brazil to Italy, from Ukraine to Mexico. And these are all real migrations that we've seen here at Clevertech because we're hiring remotely, as long as we take care of the time zones and we take care of the clients, where you physically are located is really not that important. Really cool. So what I'm hearing is that once we start taking care of the needs of an individual person, especially inside of a high skill role, like software developers, right? Once we take care of those needs in terms of their compensation and where they happen to be allowed to work, very often where they started working from isn't where is serving them or their families best. Is is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. And and I think what's interesting is that for so long, there has been a tradition that you live where you work. And if you have a situation or a desire that doesn't fit into that box then you're made to feel like that's the wrong thing to do. And you've got to do exceptional things if you're trying to make that change. But today, things have changed. You know, so I've got stories of Victor who is moving to Italy from Brazil because he's getting exploratory treatments for his son's genetic disease, right? And he could not have done that. Just could not. There was no way, no matter how much the local company where he was living may have felt, the way they were structured would not allow for that. Well, thank you, Clevertech. Thank you, Italy. Right. Thank you for the the research that's being done to serve Victor's family. And I, I think that is the story that we're saying is that there's very, very specific humanitarian stories that are being solved once we decouple our work from our location. Yeah. And it's not just people who may have a problem and a breakdown that they need to solve, but it's also people who are just trying to better their life. 
So, you know, for example, somebody else here at Clever Tech whose wife got a grant, right, in a university, just not in her home country. And she had to go to Europe and they're going to move there so she can go after her dream while he is able to continue seamlessly to be working without any break and continue on his career. I, I think that that story of, of the following spouse, right, is very often when one or the other or Victor's case with a child that, that needs to be somewhere specific, right? You know, having that other family member who may even be a breadwinner, right? Not be stuck, right? Not be left behind or somehow like giving up on a career because they happen to be moving along with a spouse that has got a grant at a university that's not where they are. I think those are awesome, important stories. Yeah. The, the limits that you think are blocking you are not really there. And we've supported people right here at Clever Tech. When you're trying to move from one country to another, that's not so easy. Right? And in many cases, there are governmental rules that you have to follow. And in some cases here at Clever Tech, I've seen people who you know, may have uh, family connections. Their grandparents were in a European country and allowed them to create an EU passport from South America. But we support people here too, right? Because we're able to, as a worldwide company, we've got over 500 developers here, and we have been able to help people when it makes sense to earn, right? I think Canada has been doing it really well these days. The US has started to, but that's it's kind of difficult. Certainly getting all types of remote visas in different countries has also kind of shown up. So there's lots of different opportunities that are available and it's not limited to work that is down the block from where you are. We're asking the question, now that we're not commuting into an office near our residence. The question is being asked, where can my passport take me? Where can my passport take me? Because I can take my work there. Exactly right. And I want to kind of maybe move this a little bit because as soon as you start thinking about the ability to travel, one of the big questions or the big concerns that people have is, you know, if my colleague is sitting in the office next to his boss, and I am traveling around the world, right? Does that put me at as a disadvantage for my career? And I think that's probably true. You create much closer bonds when you are in person and you're eating a meal together, right? But at a place like Clever Tech, we are 100% remote. Every single person is remote from every single other person. There is no office. And so I like to say that a Clever Tech remote is not a second-class citizen. Exactly. We hear stories from those hybrid organizations that need to deal with what you described as proximity bias, right? You know, who is nearby? Where is company leadership working from? Are they working from an office? How are they showing up as a remote worker themselves if they are at all? Right? And how do we, even in 100% remote companies, how, how do we, quote unquote, have a meal together, right? Like what are those things that we can do? So I want to tell two stories about that, if I may. So one has to do with the actual work. And what we end up doing oftentimes is that when we have a kickoff or a big presentation for a client, we will fly everybody in and spend a few days together. And we do believe in-person is very valuable. I don't think it needs to happen every single day. 
but that is something that we do. Obviously, pandemic changed that for a while, but that's something that we are still committed to. Uh, and in fact, Clevertech has an innovation center where we have flown in clients and Clevertech staff to sit together in order to strategize, plan new tactics, and have the in-person meeting yield the types of innovations and the types of leaps that we're looking for. Even in a 100% remote company, there isn't some sort of rejection of the fact that there is value to being face-to-face in the flesh, right? There is value there, but we shouldn't optimize for that type of interaction only, right? So I want to give you a second story, which has to do with the culture here at Clevertech. So we are always looking to create thicker relationships with the people that we bring in. I'm always amazed to hear the stories and the sharing that people are doing. And the only reason they're sharing is because there's a space for it and it's encouraged. But one of the programs that uh, we launched a couple of years ago that has been super successful came from a desire to take people out to lunch sit down with them and share why they're important. But we couldn't do that. And so what we did is we launched a program where for one week we opened it up that every single person should go out into their community, into the people's lives that they found valuable. Many times these are family, some cases uh, good friends, and take them out to dinner on us and share with them why they're taking them out. Explain to them what they're grateful for and what they allowed them to do in their lives, which is at the core of every relationship. And then we asked them to take some pictures and and give us a little write-up of what it was, and we would share that for the entire week. The entire week, our Slack would be filled with pictures of whether it's uh, significant others, parents, grandparents, some people did use this for charity. And it was just a wonderful way to innovate in the space of creating remote relationships. I think that's really, really interesting to say, hey, we can't take you out to lunch, but there are people, well, we can take you out at least to pay for it. But the person that we'd most want you to take a lunch with is someone that's already in your life, right? We're doing a business here, right? We're, we're happy to support culture building and fly you in and be in person, you know, together. But when we're all separately in our own time zones, working in our own ways, we want to enable you to become your best self in those spaces that you are already residing or maybe where you choose to reside in, in the future. I mean, we already talked about the migrations that are happening. Yeah, because a lot of times when we're dealing with remote, there's a reason people are remote. Right? If you are looking to make the most amount of money, right, then I recommend you move to San Francisco and work yourself 10 hours, 12 hour days, and you'll likely make the most amount of money if you do that. Right? However, what we're looking for are people who maybe you've done that right, and you've kind of realized that that is kind of thin and you want some more satisfaction in your life and not just the highest paying job. And oftentimes we see people who want to be close to the most important things in their lives. And what does that mean? That means, you know, I'm having a family and I want to spend time with my children. 
It could mean that I have aging parents and I want to help them. It could mean that I just love to surf and I would like to sit on the shore and be able to go out surf every single morning. And we have countless of stories of different people wanting to do different things, but what they share is that they value being close to something that's important to them that isn't just currency, right? And that opens up this interesting situation where they're not in a high cost of living city like San Francisco. They're able to be close to nature or in a more rural, distant place. Good internet, of course, is important, but it opens up this remote option. You have a better life in total. And that's why a program like that that says, hey, go celebrate with the people that you care about resonates so well with our folks. I do think that that reimagining where work and life are placed in our lives, right? You're describing putting something other than an office close to the people that work at Clevertech, right? We're saying put the things that are important to you as a person in proximity to you, right? We're talking about proximity bias so often in like, well, who's working in the office and who's, but I really like this way that you're expressing it to say, no, 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 we want you to place in proximity close to you, the things that are most important to you and not necessarily to us. And we'll be partners in that, right? We'll support that. And if you notice, everything we've been talking about is within the bucket of freedom, right? Our value of freedom, because different people think about freedom in different ways. And while we're in this topic, I did want to mention a few things that are related to freedom at work, not just freedom of location and freedom of spending time with what's important to you, but freedom within work. Because what I've seen, there are some places that really micromanage you at work to the point where they monitor your keystrokes or turn on your camera to make sure it's really you behind the keyboard, right? And I understand that. I understand companies that have that fear and companies that don't have that trust. But here at Clevertech, we believe in building trust and we believe in giving you professional freedom. The way I like to say it is, you know, freedom means you don't have timesheets, which we don't, we don't have timesheets. And I recently read, somebody put this on Twitter, exceptional work is greater than hours worked. And that's very, very true. Uh, There's some interesting connotations. We can get into that if we like, but it means that if you have solid work, Nobody cares exactly how long it takes. And that's the mark of a pro. A pro means that you attune to the needs of the clients and you ensure those are met. There is no arbitrary rule of how many hours or how many lines of code, which is easier to measure, but has nothing to do with whether or not we actually satisfied the concern plus 1,000 to optimizing the way we organize our work around the outputs instead of the inputs, 
right? Placing priority over measuring the results. You mentioned exceptional work over time, right? I, th- I think that is a theme running throughout the remote show is, you know, we've talked about lots of the things that remote meant, right? One of the things that remote can mean is that freedom to work in ways that serve the client best. And sometimes that is actually more easily achieved in a remote space. You, you were saying. Yeah, I think that we are, we're shifting, right? We're going from freedom and now we're moving towards mastery, right? When you're talking about exceptional work, you want to get to exceptional work. How do you get to exceptional work? And what are the ways that you can attain mastery in this domain? So I find that when people talk about training, they oftentimes think of sharing and learning and memorizing information. That's what we do, right? We go ahead and we read the right things or we watch the right videos and then we memorize it and we practice it and then we know how to do it, right? I am going to assert that training is not about information. You don't need me to gain information, right? There's this wonderful thing called Google, something else called YouTube, and just about anything that's important to enough people you'll be able to listen to the information when you're there. But if you look at the number one problem for software developers, typically it's not, I don't have the information. I think the typical thing that you'll hear about is we built the wrong thing, right? We didn't understand the problem sufficiently, right? It has a lot to do with understanding and coordinating, right? It's one of the major reasons waterfall development was pretty much, nobody does that anymore. Why? Why do we use agile development? Because you get more chances to share with the actual end users so that you get enough feedback to make sure that you're on the right path. So what I'm asserting is that the critical thing is not knowledge. People often ask, hey, what, what courses can I take? What's the next skill I need to have? And the most important skill is to be able to coordinate with others. And here's a secret that everybody knows. We're human beings and we coordinate through language, right? So I'm in the the universe of speech acts where we make things like requests and offers and declines and declarations and understanding what conditions of satisfactions are. And when you're in a conversation, these speech acts come at you fast and furious There is no, oh, hold on, pause, let me go watch the video or read the book and give you an answer. No. Who are you, right? Who are you as a person? And are you skillful enough to take the right actions or the actions that are going to yield the satisfaction that we're after? Thanks for going deep with the training and mastery there. Just some of the things that you're saying to me, right? What do we need to do as, as we are working together, right? We need to understand. We need to coordinate. We need to speak. We need to make requests. We need to declare. We need to you know make offers. These are the this is these are the building blocks of a team, right? Becoming the best team it can be, right? Is you know being able to respond to requests in the appropriate ways, right? We we need to be able to take action in in the ways that our, our customers are expecting of us. So I, I wasn't gonna go too deep into this, but I, I will uh, to respond to you. 
you make it sound very simple, like, hey, we just need to do these things. But we're blocked many times. We're blocked by our own moods of insufficiency, right? So I don't know what this guy just said. Am I going to say I don't know? If I say I don't know, is he going to look at me like a real professional, right? Maybe I should just be quiet and I'll pretend, right? So that's a very typical thing. And, and it's very uncomfortable. And how do you deal with that? And it's not so simple to give you just the answer that says, just do it, right? <laughs> I always like to use exercise or, or trying to lose weight as the example, because we all know we need to eat less and mm -hmm. exercise more, but we don't do it, right? So if we're trying to train professionals to get better, I can't just have you read a book or tell you what to do. It's not going to work. Our training, this is our, our leadership training program, happens in a game. Yeah, a game. Why a game? Because one of the best ways to try to help people memorize or change themselves is wrapped in emotion. It's wrapped in emotion. And if you are a game player, you know, you're pretty attached to this representation of yourself, which is like the, the player icon on the screen. So much so there's entire economies that have been built around digital clothing and jewelry and possessions. And I know that you feel bad when your player dies on screen. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's undeniable, right? It's a digital representation and the things stop moving, but you feel this deep, oh, terrible. We use that in our training, right? We actually create teams. We're trying to create high performance teams. We put those teams together in a game and we give them challenging assignments. And then we see how everybody acts, especially when things don't go right. right? And the results that we get has been pretty phenomenal. Developers have come back and they share that not only is the game good, right? Similar to real life coding and has lessons that they can take from it in the actual work. But some of my favorite is when they tell me that they take some of these things at home. They start changing how they make requests. They are able to better adjust the automatic moods that show up and the automatic negative assessments that make them feel terrible. And now they're able to make new moves. They're able to take new directions, able to make new offers, and able to get to a better place where their relationships are better. And that's what we want at work. We want the client relationships to be better. I want to say thank you so much, Kuti, for this opportunity to be invited into pretending less and playing more, right? To take the opportunity of us coming together in a remote workplace, in person sometimes, completely distributed at other times, and to be reflective and to learn and to grow and to become our best selves at work, at home, and in all the different ways that we interact. Thank you very much. Awesome. Terrific. Thanks so much again for listening to the show and be sure to check out WeWorkRemotely.com for the latest remote jobs. And if you're looking to hire a remote worker, WeWorkRemotely is the fastest and easiest way to do so. As always, if you have someone we should talk to, any advice you have, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, please reach out to us at podcast at WeWorkRemotely.com. 
That's podcast at weworkremotely.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.